Welcome to Hedge Fund Tips with Tom Hayes. I'm Tom Hayes, and this is your 103rd videocast and 93rd podcast for the week ending October 7th, 2021. This is Thursday. We'll kick it off quickly with the media and head right down to the meat and potatoes. A lot of nice developments this week. First off, I'd like to thank Ellie Terrett and Cheryl Cassoni for having me on the Claim In Countdown on Friday. Uh, we discussed the October outlook and some stats, which we'll go into later in the call, as well as a couple new picks, uh, reopening picks that uh, I think you'll find exciting. Uh, and also thanks to Liz Clayman as well, as it's her show. Uh, and uh, I think she's back next week, so tune into the Clayman countdown next week for sure. And then I uh, want to thank Devik, Jane, and Amber Wark for including me in their Reuters article last Friday as well. This was about the Merck pill. Uh, I said the market is viewing this as a very positive development as it gives people confidence that the reopening is not going to get derailed despite breakthrough cases with vaccines. Uh, and uh, and the, the data looks very, very good. And even uh, Scott Gottlieb, who's on the board of Pfizer, former FDA commissioner, uh, has been uh, singing its praises, saying that we haven't seen data on an antiviral like this uh, ever, basically, and, uh, and that obviously there's two more behind it. Pfizer's got a COVID pill coming, uh, and one other company has got a COVID pill coming as well. So that's very, very positive news. And then uh, just a couple of days ago, also want to thank Sriyashi Senyal and Devik Jain for including me in their article. Uh, my quote was, in the, in the rising rate environment, historically you've been rewarded being in the economically sensitive value in cyclical stocks relative to tech. That's not to say tech will collapse, it's just to say that cyclicals should do better in coming months, uh, said Tom Hayes. Markets are really focused on Washington and the uncertainty of their being unable to come to an agreement on the infrastructure bill, social spending plan, and raising the debt limit. So that got alleviated uh, in the last 24 hours, uh, pushing it off to December, so that was positive to see. Uh, ah, this is our new addition to the family. Her name is Lucky. She is a Shih Tzu Poodle combination. Uh, they told me it's a Shipu. I thought it was something else when I first uh, heard the combination. You can figure out what I thought it was. But nonetheless, it's a cute, great dog. The girls love her, and, uh, and it's, it's a good thing. All right, moving on to oil and OPEC. Um, Oil was up this week on OPEC um, moving up their production in line with their predetermined plan of 400,000 barrels a month. Uh, some people had been looking for 800,000 barrels. It didn't come to pass. And therefore, OPEC is back in the driver's seat of global energy prices uh, with the new administration. And uh, we are seeing the 4 and $5 uh, at the tank in some parts of the coast, uh, which, you know, in some sense pales in comparison compared to what, what they're experiencing in Europe, um, uh, trying to transition to renewables too quickly. When the wind doesn't blow, you have a problem. The technology will pick up. The transformation will happen. Uh, those who think it won't happen are silly. Buffett put it best. Those who think it will, that the uh, energy transition won't happen are, are ridiculous, and those who think it will happen quickly are ridiculous as well. So uh, there's a lot of gas in the tank, uh, pun intended, for, for many of these energy uh, companies, and, uh, and, and it's a great inflation hedge as well. Uh, they have had a nice run here in the short term, so you may see 
some profit taking where, you know, if you get something like there's a lot of uh, unfocused on rumblings about an Iran deal. Uh, we talked about it last week. Today, this came out uh, over the over the wire. U.S. State Department says imminent return to Vienna. Nuclear talks with Iran is needed. This cannot go on indefinitely. So I think that's in line with, uh, you know, they want to take oil prices down and Iran will put a, a big supply on the market once some of the sanctions are lifted. Iran says, sure, we'll talk. Just give us $10 billion before we get to the table. And uh, the administration has said no comment. So my guess is uh, uh, Iran is going to get a lot more of what they would want uh, from the current administration than they would from the previous one. Uh, and that may take a little bit of short-term steam out of the uh, energy market in coming weeks if, if there's progress. Uh, but the trend for the next three to four years uh, is is constructive for these companies, the natural gas producers, oil producers. And we talked last week about uh, being a little more selective. Uh, if you missed the huge move up in EMP, maybe there, there's still some opportunity on the downstream uh, refiners and some opportunity in the midstreams if you missed it and you wanted to get some sector exposure. Uh, on to China. Obviously, the, one of the stories this week was the Beijing flying 93 military sorties uh, uh, near Taiwan. That got, that got uh, that achieved the desired effect, which got Biden on the phone with Xi asking for a meeting. Xi is now going to take that meeting virtually in the next couple of months. The market liked that overnight, and China tech stocks had the biggest surge. Uh, since August uh, overnight, you can see right here in this table. So that was a huge thing, a lot of short thing. And as I said over and over, um, when these things turn, they're not going to let anyone in. And uh, it's going to be abrupt. And we just don't know when and we don't know, we, we don't know the timing and we don't know the catalyst. But when it turns, it's going to turn hard. And we saw some indication of that. Baba's up the last three days. Today was a big day for Baba. Uh, was up 11 points, 8.2%. 8 and not just being up because it was up, it was up on nearly two times average daily volume. So the uh, last month average volume is 22 million shares. Uh, it was up 11, uh, almost 12 points, 8.25% on uh, uh, 45 million shares. So that's, that's a big deal. A uh, lot of buying today. So we'll see if, uh, how that follows through in coming weeks. And then Xi, uh, this is from Bloomberg, Xi picks opportune time to cool tensions with Biden meeting. He's grappling with a series of challenges at home now. And both sides seek middle ground that pleases domestic audiences. So uh, he's got the whole Evergrande thing going. He's got uh, preparing to host the pan, uh, uh, Olympics during a pandemic and uh, battling an energy shortage. He needs some of our goods now. So that's a, that's a positive thing. And uh, there's no greater way for parties to come together when they both need something from one another. Uh, that should bode well for Boeing. That should bode well for uh, energy companies uh, exporting and it sh and possibly farmers and uh, I think China tech stocks. I, th I think uh, 
I think that the um, uh, circular firing drill has uh, taken a pause. They've stopped uh, destroying their own for some time, and, uh, and the market is responding. The other thing, obviously, which we're going to cover quite a bit of, uh, is uh, what happened with um, Charlie Munger this week, nearly doubled his Alibaba position. So we'll go into that uh, in, in some detail uh, as we move forward. Uh, general market, uh, uh, Marco Kalanovic over at JP Morgan, he's a strategist I do follow. I think he, he says a lot of thoughtful things. Um, particularly because he frequently agrees with me, but <laughs> and when he disagrees, I pay close attention. Uh, he made this headline today. He said, markets can handle $130 oil and 2.5% yields. I agree with the latter. For sure, we, the market can handle 2.5% yield on a 10-year, uh, and I think we're going to go there uh, or close to it, probably to, you know, 2 to 2.25 by Q1 in anticipation of taper. We've covered that a lot in recent weeks. Uh, 130, his basis is like from 2010 to 2015, oil averaged over $100 a barrel and the economy did just fine. So I, I think that's a reasonable point of view. Uh, I get a little cautious when people, everyone starts calling for $100 oil. Um, sometimes I worry that that's you know, kind of the, the meat of the short-term move may be behind us. And then you get something like Iran takes five or ten dollars out of a barrel that the stocks correct five or ten percent everyone pukes out and that's the next time to reload so if you have them hold them if you don't have them midstream downstream yes uh upstream very very selective wait wait for some type of catalyst here because everyone's getting a little too excited uh when, when we were excited last year no one wanted them and they thought it was silly uh oil is negative 40 for a day and, uh, and now everyone wants them. Same with banks. Uh, all these guys are talking how high quality banks are and the same ones that were, were on saying, uh, you know, banks are a joke. Who needs, you know, uh, pens with chains on them in the branches when DeFi is gonna take over the world. So opinion follows trend. It's followed trend on oil now and you're gonna see it in Chinese stocks in coming weeks. You still have your huge skeptics out there uh, and, and, you know, justifiably so. It's been a pounding for sure, uh, but some people were puking and others were adding, and that's what makes the difference when all is said and done. Um, Carnival to restart more cruises from U.S. ports in January and February expects 100% capacity use in the spring. Uh, this is something we talked about on the claim and countdown a couple weeks ago, when I think when we were talking about United Airlines and Carnival. Uh, the reopening trade, the leisure, uh, I think these are still cheap, so, uh, so buy the dip, so to speak. General market overview, put call, 10-day moving average still elevated. That's good to see that fear. That means this bounce is probably for real, and we probably will see some follow-through. Maybe we'll get some hiccups with the politics, but on balance, I think the worst is behind us. And, uh, and um, uh, in line with what we had expected all year, which was uh, pullbacks would be contained to three to 5%, and that has held through on a closing basis. So um, it's, it's nice to see that right up to the edge and then turned around. All of these are still near buy areas versus sell areas. This is all constructive. Um, and we covered a lot of these last week. Even the NASDAQ, some of them are getting attractive, even though we think cyclicals will outperform relative to tech. 
Some of these tech stocks are getting a little overdone, and that'll also help on the Alibaba, although it's been uncorrelated to U.S. tech. Um, I, I, I think we're going to see, you're seeing materials pick up here on the uh, bullish percent. There was one other that, ah, this one, healthcare. Uh, healthcare stocks above their 20-day moving average, uh, exponential moving average. Man, this is like where it was during the pandemic. This is an opportunity, and that's why we like things like Cigna. Uh, some of the drug stocks are getting cheap. Amgen, um, Bristol-Myers. Um, we would consider, you know, if you remember, we had Pfizer from 33 up till 48.50. We, we were out. It went up to 50 without us, another point and a half, and now it's collapsed down to 42. We would, we would consider picking up uh, Pfizer again, you know, in the 40, 41 range. No rush there, uh, but they do have a Lyme vaccine coming down the pike. They do have a COVID pill. They do have the kids' uh, vaccines, and they are going to have that recurring income stream moving forward, which is known. Uh, but I think at $40, it becomes compelling again for a long-term hold, not a, not a, not a trade like last time. Um, again, intermediate-term Dow. Again, this is a buy area, not a sell. Same with the NASDAQ intermediate term, uh, McClellan summation. You know, these are areas where you want to buy. National Association of Active Investment Managers, I said in my article this morning, this was down at 55. Managers are going to have to chase if we get a bounce into year end, and they're starting to do that. It ticked up to 68. Uh, I guess it printed this afternoon. PMO buy all. This is an extreme that is to be bought at these levels. We covered that last week when it was at zero. It's starting to get bid. Same with PMO by uh, Dow Jones, uh, by SPS, S&P 500. They're all pointing to the same thing, which is there's opportunity. You may get a couple hiccups, but you know, you, you've got to be net adders. And it was to be net adders in the last two weeks, even despite the market was getting weak. The groups we were looking at were holding strong, and, and many of them were moving up even in a weak market. So uh, the uh, NYSC McClellan here, you can see um, uh, the SKUs come down. People have stopped taking the bets on the ca catastrophic risk. So that's interesting. And then, um, so that's basically the story there. I like this quote from a guy named Michael Covell. Um, Trading is a waiting game. You sit, you wait, and you make a lot of money all at once. And that is true. I mean, when you get into managing portfolios, you can go like over this summer, it was like a Chinese water torture, the market just grinding sideways, um, small caps, uh, all the reopening stocks just doing nothing, the Chinese stocks just getting hit every day. And then all of a sudden when these things turn overnight, it's just like the equity curve goes through the roof. And you're going to see that uh, in your career that, you know, uh, when you have 100% years, uh, you're going to see that the majority of that comes in literally two months, two, two and a half months uh, plus. And, um, and I, I thought that was an appropriate quote. Uh, okay. These are the stocks that we uh, laid out on the 16th when everyone was worried about the sub September swoon. And I said, look, these things already had a summer swoon. Take a look at what's beaten down as we go into the end of the year and what can happen. So, um, you, you know, you saw these type of credit corp has had a huge run, 105 to 125. Uh, Baba up today, uh, almost 12 points, 8.25% in a day. Finally, 
Uh, Suncor from middle September has taken off from, you know, uh, what was that, 18 to 22. Uh, Discovery is starting to take off. Uh, VF Corp, it's been building this base for two weeks. It's now starting to get a bid. Uber absolutely ripped right after that, literally the day after. Uh, Viacom building a base, uh, that thing could take off. So these are just, MasterCard was having trouble. It jumped, it came back, now it's jumping again. Uh, Centene is starting to take off. Dollar Tree ripped from 85 to 98. Um, uh, downstream, uh, Phillips 66, literally to the day from 65 to 79. So uh, Fleet Core, you know, ripped, came back, it's ripping again. Las Vegas Sands hasn't ripped yet. I love this. I love Las Vegas Sands and I love Win. I covered it last week in, uh, on the Claim and Countdown with Shell Cassoni. Uh, watch that video. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about it, but the, this one's still cheap. It hasn't moved since the 16th, more or less. Uh, so there's still opportunity. J and J still opportunity. Cigna started to jump today. Uh, wait, is this weekly? This is daily. Yeah. So Cigna had a move today. I think these are going to rip. Boeing ripped from the 16th. It's up from 210 to 226. There's a lot more there, both in Cigna and Boeing, in our view. Lockheed Martin also ripped from the 16th, from 340 to 351. Uh, so these things are starting to get going. Um, even Clorox is starting to, and we'll see what happens with that. Um, so, you know, across the board, there's still value. You got to know where to look. Uh, even <laughs> General Mills from uh, 58 to 61, which is a big move for that stock. So they're all starting to move. There's still, there's still value. And that leads us to our article of the week, which is the buy dirt stock market and sentiment results. Uh, in recent weeks, we commented to stop worrying about a September swoon, as most pullbacks would be contained to 3 to 5%. It's held true on a cl- closing basis. In contrast, we suggested shifting focus from the general indices and buying quality that was on sale and already experienced a summer swoon. When I saw the lyrics to Jordan Davis and Luke Bryant's country hit, Buy Dirt, I could emphasize with the strategies. So he's talking to this older guy and the lyrics are a few days before he turned 30, he was sitting back in a rocker. He said, what have you been up to lately? I told him chasing a dollar and in between sips of coffee, he poured out his wisdom and said, a quote, if you want my two cents on making a dollar count, buy dirt. <laughs> and then a, a later uh, uh, um, phrase, he says, because the truth about it is it all goes by real quick. You can't buy happiness, but you can buy dirt. And the literal meaning of this suggestion is to buy land, build a house and a life around it. As it relates to the stock market, I view it as buying value with immense raw intrinsic value when it's on sale and waiting for that inherent value to be realized by the market over time. So uh, we're not talking about gambling stocks and, you know, small or micro cap. There's a place for that. You know, it, it, you manage that by size, you know, etc. But, you know, when a Lockheed Martin is down 25% and estimates are going up at the same time, you know, when an Alibaba is tripling its business in the last three years and going to double its business over the next handful of years and is trading cheaper than before it grew three times, you know, these are, with a billion users that can't be replicated, you know, these are the type of situations. Wells Fargo, when it was trading at uh, a 50% discount to book value, it's only done it two other times in history. Same thing with uh, ExxonMobil last year. These type of opportunities 
come up from time to time and you can't, uh, you have to take advantage of them. And, and what makes them great opportunities is that when you're buying, you're alone because everyone else is puking. That's what got it to that valuation. Uh, and uh, you have to know the fran- you have to know what you own. You have to know the franchise well enough. You have to understand the fundamentals well enough to be sure that the price is detached from the underlying business due to emotion or short-term headwinds, uh, not permanent structural headwinds. And that's the nuance. And that is, and, and when, it, when highest quality franchises drop 50%, people are making bets that it's structural and 80% of the time it's cyclical. Uh, as we saw with energy over the last year when everyone said oil is over, just like they said tobacco was over in 1960 and the tobacco stocks over the next 40 years were among the best performers. And even in the last 20 years, they've, they've had outstanding performance. So um, leaving that aside, so um, this week we saw a very interesting public filing from Warren Buffett's partner, Charlie Munger. Charlie and Warren, Warren did not become billionaires buying fully priced, quote, shiny skyscrapers when everyone wanted them. They got rich buying dirt (laughs) and seeing the intrinsic value in a high quality company when no one else did and no one else wanted them. So earlier this year, Charlie Munger threw his investment vehicle, the Daily Journal, bought uh, Alibaba. His first purchase was in Q1 of 2021, reported on April 5th, 2021, because they report after the quarter closes. Um, And the... uh, so this means his initial purchase of Alibaba, which was 165,320 shares, was priced between $220 and $274. My guess is it was closer to the low end of the range as he would have been buying the panic, panic selling off the $319 high in Q4 of 2020. So it was down, you know, at 220, it was down about a third. It probably made a lot of sense. Uh, and it did make a lot of sense. If you look out three years ago, anyone who bought it at 220, 230, it's, it's an absolute monster home run. It'll be a $400 stock, uh, whether that's three years out or four years out, uh, we don't know, but, um, but nonetheless, that, that's what his first slug came at. Um, in Q2, Baba continued to fall as the regulatory crackdown ensued. Alibaba paid a two- billion fine for, quote, monopolistic practices. Baba traded between $204 and $245 in Q2. Munger did nothing. He did not add further on the weakness in Q2. And then in Q3, the Chinese government, uh, communist government, started aggressive crackdowns on education providers, online gaming companies, real estate companies, and any other target they could think of. It was a bureaucrat's wet dream is basically what happened in China in Q3. And foreign investors fled the arbitrary and capricious government actions by voting with their dollars and exiting stage left. And capital goes where it's treated best and it was not being treated well in China. With one exception, Charlie Munger decided to nearly double down on his position in Alibaba, taking his shares from 165,320 to 302,060. So Baba traded between $228 and $146 during Q3. This aggressive purchase likely took Munger's basis uh, from, you know, my guess would 
220, 230 down into the probably closer to 200 range, 180 to $200 range. It's now 17.59% of his portfolio. And um, our stock position basis is now materially below this range as we started our position much later than Munger and have added nicely on recent weakness. So where did we get the funds? You know, we're fully invested most of the time. So to raise the funds for this unique opportunity, we simply shaved a bit from each of the gainers in the portfolio that no longer have the 60 to 90% upside potential over the next 18 months. That's our view on BABA uh, that, that we believe BABA has from these levels. And it was simply an analysis of best use of capital, you know, shaving uh, Netflix after the run it's had in the last couple of months since we suggested it. Uh, and some others. You know, you do these things because I don't think Netflix is going to move 60 to 90% over the next 9 to 18 months. I do think Baba can. So does it mean I don't like Netflix? No, but it means that I think Alibaba can do better. And some of the others that we had to shave from, a little bit of shave from financials. We love financials, but we, you know, a lot of the financials have moved 100%. We don't think they're going to move 60 to 90% in the next 9 to 18 months. So we're able to put that money into BABA at very, very low levels. And, uh, and we're excited about that. So why was Munger nearly doubling his position while everyone else was puking theirs out? For starters, successful people do what unsuccessful people won't. He's willing to take some short-term pain for long-term gain, not on the basis of wishing or hoping, or I hope it works out, I hope Tom's right, but on the basis of facts and data. The fact is he realized he could buy a business that has more than tripled in the last four years for less than it cost before the growth happened. And on top of that, the business is expected to double again in the next few years. So while the noise scared most people out, the business continued to grow top line aggressively and unabatedly and cash flow will more than double in the next few years, yet you pay less than most folks did four years ago when the business was a third of the size. So will Baba face competition moving forward and, reg and regulation? You bet. Can its $1 billion be replicated? Unlikely. That's what we call a moat. And that's why Buffett and Munger are the best investors around, have been and always will be in my book. Um, they're traders that come and go, but these guys stand the test of time. And, uh, and one thing is for sure, you'll never see them carried out in a stretcher. And that's the most important thing in this business. So uh, what I did here is I, um, I, uh, I, I posted the um, yearly revenue versus uh, yearly revenue and estimates and the yearly EPS and estimates. So you can see their fiscal year runs ahead of the calendar year. So uh, this, we're on fiscal 2022. Obviously, you're seeing earnings are, are going to uh, uh, took a little bit of hit recently just because of all the crackdown, but they pick right back up uh, next year. And we're looking forward now to fiscal 2023 as we move into 2022 calendar. Uh, and you see here that uh, estimates for 2026 are 120 yuan times 0.16 gives you about $20 a share in earnings on the ADRs. And uh, at that growth rate, it should be at a 2025 multiple. And that's how you get to four to 500 five years out. Uh, but, uh, and, and you continue to see revenues just exploding and completely unabated, by the way, by the regulatory uh, crackdown. So, um, so that's good. 
Also, Munger's good friends with a well-regarded on-the-ground Chinese money, money manager named Li Lu. Lu manages some of Munger's personal money and is well-connected and knowledgeable about policy and business outlook in his local market. Li Lu actually got him in BYD, which is a Chinese battery maker. Uh, that's the good news, and it's up like, I don't know, uh, probably about 7x in the last 24 months. That's the good news. The bad news is uh, he got him in 10 years ago, so he had to wait. But the compound annual growth rate of that has been phenomenal. So, um, so anyway, if I can buy a business that's expected to double in the next few years and pay the same price as someone who bought it four years ago when it was producing a third of what it's producing today, what, go, what could go wrong and why is it so underpriced? And this is a question that came in uh, from, let's see, uh, this was a question of the week. Okay. Joseph, first name only, regarding Baba. Uh, your podcasts are an invaluable wealth of insight. Thank you for your generosity. You often counsel listeners to scrutinize the bear case for the companies they are most bullish on, a method you almost always practice in your own analysis. But when it, com when it comes to BABA, there seems to be a tendency to reduce the bear case to overblown irrationality no sooner than you lay it out. As much as I appreciate your eternal optimism on the company, I've got to ask, what's your most persuasive bear case for the house that Ma built? I love this question from Joseph, first name only, uh, and I decided to address it in the article of the week. So... Um, so what could go wrong and why is it so underpriced? And we have covered this in, in past weeks, but I want to reemphasize it. So what's the market concerned about? I mean, these people aren't puking it out while we're buying it for no reason. They have legitimate fears uh, and they could be right. But the market is concerned that the Chinese government will continue to regulate to a point that its future earnings power is permanently impaired. And we believe this fear is overblown because it would destroy China's global competitiveness it would discourage their citizens from having children in an economy with less opportunity, which is a key initiative of the Chinese government now. They realize that the one-child policy was a disaster because now they have an aging population like Japan did at their peak in 1989. Uh, and if they don't get the birth rate up very, very quickly, they could suffer a similar fate to Japan and killing off uh, uh, one of their greatest companies where, you know, Parents would say, oh, yes, China's going to be great 10 years from now. Let's have a lot of children. They'll be able to get great jobs and they'll have a better life than we do. That's the American dream. You always want your kids to do better than you did. Uh, and, uh, and having companies like Alibaba, like JD, like Tencent, uh, is a major factor of pride for parents making a decision. Do they want to grow a family or, or if that capitalist part of the economy is going to go away and it's going to be more like Russia and more like uh, rationing and rules, who would want to have a child into that type of environment? And I think they understand that, uh, and it's in their interest to do so. And it would lead to, uh, and if they impair, permanently impair the earnings power of BABA and the like, uh, it's going to lead to significant unemployment like they saw in the education sector and social unrest like they saw with Evergrande, and that's why they have to ring fence and bail out Evergrande uh, to make sure that people get paid because they were starting to protest outside uh, the building. They want to get paid. They, it, it, there's an implicit state guarantee on it, and they want the, the government to, to back up the, the payments. Uh, second, the market's concerned that all Chinese stocks will be de delisted from the United uh, U.S. exchanges. 
Chinese ADRs have been in existence for two decades and their futures questioned every three to four years when the Chinese indices correct 30 to 40% due to regulatory crackdowns and normal business cycles. Uh, the SEC intends to delist roughly 270 Chinese companies listed on US, U.S. exchanges by early 2024 unless they allow their auditors to be inspected. We don't believe this will become an issue for Chinese listings that have major big four uh, global big four auditors. In the case of BABA, they have the second largest auditor in the world. That's uh, PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers. And the review of such audit should be a straightforward if and when required over the next few years. Uh, Wall Street Journal quoted uh, Alibaba CFO Maggie Wu said the company is closely monitoring the bill that aims to delist foreign companies from the country's stock exchange and anticipates that it, quote, will be able to comply with any new regulations. Wu said the company, quote, will endeavor to comply with any legislation whose aim is to protect and bring transparency to investors who buy securities on U.S. stock exchanges. Why do they care? Because it's the deepest capital markets in the world. And if you want to grow and if you want liquidity and if you want high multiples, you need to be listed there, period, over and out. Um, okay, moving on to uh, Fox Business last Friday with Cheryl Cassoni. Uh, thanks again to Ellie, Cheryl, and Liz for having me on. In this segment, I, I gave the October outlook. So October tends to be volatile, but here are some stats uh, over the past 20, and uh, some of these come directly from LPL, Ryan Dietrich, so hat tip to them. Uh, over the past, but they're also in the Stock Traders Almanac. I mean, everyone has these stats, but uh, over the last 24, 20 years, October was the fourth best month of the year. Uh, and where it gets its bad reputation is if you look back to World War II, it's the seventh best month. So over the last 20 years, it's the fourth best month. Uh, which I didn't know that, and uh, oh, I, I was more in the camp of since World War II, it's the seventh best month. September is actually the worst month. So after a seven-month win streak ends, as it did in September, average returns since World War II are a month later up 1.2%, three months later up 4.1%, six months later up 7.9%, and 12 months later up 9.5%. So strength begets strength. There's a, a lot of built-up strength. Q4 is the best time of year, averaging 3.8% for the quarter since World War II. And, um, and I made the case that with the Merck pill, global cases declining for COVID and Fed signaling taper, the reopening value in cyclicals should regain the leadership position it had in Q1 of this year and part of Q2. Long duration earnings, tech growth become less valuable in the short term when rates are rising. And, um, and that, again, that doesn't mean that they collapse. It just means that cyclicals and value should do better uh, on a relative basis. And we suggested when, when people are worried about uh, them losing their license and concessions, we believe those fears are overblown as uh, Wynn has local partners who own 28% of Wynn Macau. So the government's unlikely to kill their own. And then um, Wynn Las Vegas and Encore are seeing strong booking trends into year-end in their U.S. properties, and their digital gaming and sports betting has a big runway in the U.S. Lockheed Martin, it fell 15% off its summer highs as the industrials aerospace uh, sector fell out of favor. With the reopening trade back in play, we believe this stock can work back up to new highs over the next six to nine months. Uh, it will earn 27% more in 2022 than it did in uh, 2019, the last full pre-pandemic year, and yet it's trading at an 18% discount to its pre-pandemic highs. 
It trades at about 12 and a half times next year's earnings. It pays you a 3.25% dividend while you wait. And that F-35 fighter pilot, it's the largest weapons program in history. It'll fuel earnings for decades to come. Again, an example of high quality when it's out of favor. Um, now, uh, retail sentiment is still super fearful. Uh, bullish percent came in this morning at 25%. Uh, that is historically an area you want to be a buyer, not a seller. When the retail is fearful, you want to be greedy. And same thing with the fear and greed index. Uh, it's near an extreme at 28 uh, same thing uh, with the National Association of Active Investment Managers, which we covered. Uh, while 10%, and this is very interesting because I've been holding my guns to this 3 to 5% since, since January, you've been if you've been listening. Uh, I'd said we, we would get no more than 3 to 5% pullbacks this year and probably a handful of them, and that's, that's held true on a closing basis. Now, while 10% corrections are normal, they should not be a foregone conclusion just because we haven't had one in a while. That's everyone's case. Well, we're due for it. We're due for it. We're due for it. Well, this chart shows the last 41 years of market pullbacks. And in 21 of the last 41 years, we have not had a 10% correction. You can go through it year by year. So, uh, you know, more often than not, you don't get a 10% correction in any given year, and in any given year, it's a coin flip. So, um, so that's where we are. Uh, could we get one? Could Congress do something crazy? Of course. You've got to be prepared for anything happening at all times. But uh, I think that in the face of what I'm going to discuss now, um, you know, if we hit any further turbulence in October while the politicians go through their normal shenanigans, Keep in mind the, quote, richest man in the world, Jay Powell, still has your back. And I showed the Fed balance sheet, obviously, at all-time highs again last week. And more than that, I showed when the Fed signaled taper, uh, they signaled taper in May of 2013. They started in December of 2013. And as you can see from the green line when they started, uh, the balance sheet slash liquidity still grew for many months with asset purchases and reinvestments. So taper started, the balance sheet continued to expand. Uh, and then after the taper was done, it still stayed elevated from reinvestment uh, until they started uh, uh, pulling back liquidity, which was um, um, Powell's first mistake, but he learned quickly from his error when we had that huge washout in December of... Uh, was it December of 18, I think it was. He was new on the scene, and it was a complete disaster what he did. But nonetheless, he learned quickly, saved us from a Great Depression last year. So all is well, all is forgiven, and uh, God willing, he'll be reappointed uh, if, if, the, uh, if the administration knows what's in the interest of uh, basically everyone. So, um, okay. So if the Fed tapers 15 billion a month starting in early 2022 over an eight-month period the fed will add another 660 billion dollars to its balance sheet so you'll see something like this here while the taper is going on um, keep in mind the s p 500 gained 32.59 percent in 2013 anticipating the taper remember they signaled in may they implemented in december so the market went up during that period. And while they were tapering in 2014 and completed it, they added another 
13.69% in 2014. So the S&P appreciated another 13.69 during and after taper. So keep that in mind, uh, which you know would be probably in line with, uh, we're gonna have about nine, 10% earnings growth next year. A 13% up market would be, uh, would be realistic. Uh, probably a bit more bumpier than this year though. Uh, we probably will get that 10% at some point, 10, 15% at some point next year. Now, um, and then lastly, I said, don't buy the finished product that's fully valued and everyone wants. Buy the quality, quote, dirt, and the skyscraper will come. There's plenty of dirt still available right now. This chart from Charles Schwab lays it out. It's amazing. Uh, while the general indices didn't, uh, didn't uh, correct more than 5% on a closing basis, the percentage of members with at least 10% correction from the year-to-date high 91% of the S&P 500 components corrected 10% or greater. 90% of the S&P 500 members corrected 10% or greater. And 98% of the small caps, Russell 2000, corrected at least 10% from their year-to-date high. So that's why people felt so panicky in September, even though the general indices were doing fine, is because individual stocks got hammered. And that's why we said focus on the summer swoon. Some of these high quality companies have gotten smashed, buy them into year end and you're gonna be rewarded. So the average member declined from their year to date high. So the average stock in the S&P 500 declined 17% from their year to date high. In the NASDAQ, the average member declined 38%. And in the Russell, the average member declined 34%. So that's some good data from Schwab and uh, pretty, pretty uh, compelling uh, thing to look at. And then I just closed out with, uh, uh, there's still plenty of dirt still available right now. You just have to know where to look. And we've spent some, quite a bit of time covering those areas. A couple of unusual op uh, options activity. I thought this was interesting from AT&T of all things. They're gonna be a streamlined. They got rid of the, the media, the HBO and all that stuff. So now they're going to be a pipe provider uh, and, the, and the mobile provider and, and that whole story with 5G. I thought it was interesting. Someone came in and bought um, 42,000 contracts of January 23 calls. This stock has done nothing in months. It's cheap. I like it as a pure play now. I thought it was interesting to see that kind of volume in that type of name. Uh, and uh, a few days ago, someone came in with almost 16,000 contracts of Alibaba for January at 150. There's been a lot of smart money coming into Baba uh, and, uh, and we're seeing some more of that today. So if you get a, if you get a back and fill, you know, uh, our views take advantage, but I think, I, I, I think the trend is set now where this thing uh, wants to push higher. And if it does so, it's gonna, it's gonna punish the people waiting for another retest because it's not gonna let them in. It's just gonna keep pushing. But we'll see, we'll take it day by day. That's why we do these on a weekly basis. Uh, some economic data this week to go run through. Factory orders were better than expected. Uh, ISM non-manufacturing beat expectations. Non-manufacturing PMI beat expectations. Uh, 61.9 versus 60, that was good. Crude had a build, uh, they build 2.3 million barrels versus an expected draw uh, of a half, you know, 400,000 barrels. So that was negative. Um, continuing jobless claims were better than expected. So that'll be very interesting as it relates to the jobs report tomorrow. Because if you remember, um, 
Powell, that's the only report he has to look at before his November decision. Is he going to start tapering 2021 or is it going to get pushed off to 2022? He said he needed to see a decent employment report. Expectations are high. The, the expectations are at 500,000 payrolls. I'll take the under on that, but the numbers came in pretty strong today with continuing jobless claims uh, beat expectations. They came in at less than 2.78 million. Uh, modestly and initial jobless claims came in less with all these benefits rolling off uh, they were expected to come in at 348k they came in at 326 so tomorrow do we get 500 I, I take the under and that gives Powell a chance to punt it to a December decision uh, which would be more likely but you know if this is strong uh, you may see the little weakness in the market tomorrow because it'll, it'll, it'll uh, imply that the Fed's coming out earlier rather than later. Uh, my bet is that the opposite happens. So I think it'll come in light again uh, for September. If you remember the first half of the month, uh, you know, Delta mania, like you couldn't turn on the TV without pulling your hair out with fear. Uh, so my guess is Hiring was a little lighter than expected the first couple of weeks of September, and that'll be reflected in missing expectations and uh, Fed punting to, uh, to, to the December meeting for their taper decision. So that's where it all stands. Want to thank you for listening in this week. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. In the meantime, make it a great one. Thanks for listening in.